Good morning. It's wonderful to be here among all of you. My name is Ann Gardner, and I am a guest at the kind invitation of your priests. As a fairly recent transplant to the Episcopal Diocese of Los Angeles, and as someone who relocated during the height of COVID, my immersion into my new extended family of faith has been predictably slow. For 12 years prior to my arrival here on the left coast, I served as the director of spiritual and religious life at Phillips Andover, a boarding school located 20 or so miles northwest of Boston. These days, I run the chaplaincy program at Harvard Westlake, a private independent school just up the road from this parish. I have been fortunate, exceedingly fortunate, to have been given the chance to be part of both of these remarkable institutions. But this recent change of scenery has also afforded me some unexpected opportunities, including the time to finish a project that has been on my bucket list for as long as I can remember. As a young girl, I wanted desperately to be a writer. Raised on the adventuresome tales of Nancy Drew and Anne of Green Gables, I see you, I knew the key to crafting a riveting book was, of course, the storyline. But I never came across a topic that seemed worthy of such arduous attention and the spilling of such large quantities of ink. Until, of course, I did. This morning, I wanted to share with you some of the details of that discovery. There's nothing new or cutting edge about it. Indeed, it is an ancient practice people of faith have been doing for thousands of years. This story begins not with your namesake, Saint, but with one of Jesus' disciples, Saint James. During my first year at Andover, having just survived a grueling week of faculty orientation, I headed toward the home of my then head of school to attend one final cocktail party before the academic year began. I was shy, I am shy, and was painfully aware how animated the conversation was that surrounded me, something that made me feel very much like the outsider I was. But luckily for me, one of the other attendees quickly came over and introduced herself. Within a few minutes, I discovered she was from Cuba, was part of the World Languages Department, and was herself a person of faith. And when she discovered I was the new campus minister, she immediately launched into a lengthy explanation about the Camino de Santiago, a 500-mile pilgrimage path that extends across the width of northern Spain, ending at the cathedral in Santiago, where, as lore would have it, the remains of St. James are believed to be interred. As a lifelong practicing Christian, I was embarrassed to admit to her that I had never heard of the Camino. Well, that didn't last for long, and a handful of years later, I too would find myself on that same path, walking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds 
of miles toward that famed cathedral, wondering how exactly this had become my new reality as well. Looking back on it, perhaps I shouldn't have been so surprised. In seminary, I took the standard road of classes. I studied scripture. I meandered my way through centuries of church history and was introduced to the practicalities of liturgy. So it wouldn't be out of the ordinary to assume my strongest spiritual connection would be to our prayer book, or to the Bible, or to presiding over weekly Sunday services just like this. But if I'm being honest, none of these things were the most prominent tool in my spiritual toolbox. No, it was something much more mundane and universal, a practice I've relied upon my whole life. Salvatore Ambulando, as St. Augustine once said, or it is solved by walking. I share this trait with countless others, many whose stories are contained in our scripture. The Israelites wandering in exile, the transformational moments of the Good Samaritan, the conversion of St. Paul, the return of the prodigal son, all incidences that took place on the side of a road somewhere as the protagonists were making their way from one place to another. Even Jesus himself strode into the desert for some 40 days and 40 nights with nothing but time and an expansive horizon to help him make sense of his life and his vocation and, of course, what was to come. When I later shared this dream of mine of making the landscape of Spain the backdrop of the next stage of my life, my friends and family were strangely unconcerned about my capacity to diverse an entire country, noting that stubbornness alone would likely provide me with enough fuel for the journey. But they did remain mystified as to why. Why would I do such a thing? What sort of provocation could possibly lure me into such a punishing crucible? Confused myself, I asked this same question of every pilgrim I met while on the path. Why? I queried. Why are you here? And much to my surprise, nearly all of them gave me the exact same answer. My heart is broken. My heart is broken. Some were in the throes of a divorce. Some were grieving the death of a parent. Some longed to revive the relationship they once had with their children. Some had had their world shattered by drugs or alcohol. Some had lost a job. And some, they were just lost. But a common thread remained this fervent belief that the Camino could somehow heal them, that through this act of ambulation, of walking, the painful and crippling portions of their lives could somehow be exorcised out of their hearts. And so I, too, began to consider if this were my truth as well. 
The day I reached the apex of the trail some 350 miles into the pilgrimage, these were the words I wrote in my journal in an effort to capture that transitional moment. When I was younger, I saw the world in black and white, right and wrong, for me or against me. Oh, I had all the answers back then. I was vigorous, but not flexible. Strong, but brittle. What I didn't fully appreciate back in my salad days were the countless ways in which I would grow stronger with age. I bend now. I play the long game. Like the very iron of the cross at which I was knelt, I have been made more formidable by the impurities that mark my life. Contained in this morning's reading from Hebrews are multiple pleas to embody the true incarnational message of the Christian faith. Show hospitality to strangers. Remember those who are in prison. Be content with what you have. Let marriage be honored. And finally, praise God. As the author ruefully states, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? During my 37 days of walking across Spain, I often relied on that same maxim, that there was no real need to be afraid, that this journey I had chosen, one that purposely stretched me very much to my limits, was what I needed, largely because it provided me with an uncompromisingly honest reflection of the person I was, and perhaps gave me a glimmer of the person I could be. And so this morning, I offer for your consideration these same questions. Who are you trying to become? And how might the path you've chosen be helping or hindering your spiritual trajectory? My blessings to each of you for whatever the journey is that lay ahead of you. Amen.